Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. I'm Taylor, and with me as he is every month, when we wander back through the hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and 90s, is my brother Seb. Seb, Hello, how's folks. it going? It's going great. The birds are singing, the bees are humming, and, uh, you know, it's uh, romance is in the air. <laughs> yes, it is. Our February episode is we get ready to talk about celebrity crushes and stuff that we had as kids but you know what before we get to that previously on previously on previously on if memory serves um indeed <laughs> indeed uh you know last month after we were talking about our intro and outro music i started thinking seb about whether or not we made the best musical choice don't get me wrong by tonal landscapes is uh awesome even though I mess up their name and call them bitonal instead of bitonal. Uh, so you'll notice this month we're giving Morgan Willis's Party All Night as a spin uh, as our show music for a couple of months. And you know what? Reach out to us on Facebook. Reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know which one you think sounds better. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Do you do you do you have a, a, a preference? You know, I think also? they're really I really think they're both great. Um, so I, I'm really excited to, to give this uh, to give Morgan a chance with this one. You know, definitely. I mean, I I, I love the synthwave vibe on it, and uh, you know, I'm just kind of excited to see how it kind of fits in with the whole episode for a couple of months. Maybe, maybe we'll jump back and forth. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Well, we also want to say thanks to everyone who listened to our second episode about the mall. All 103 of you. <laughs> we we just about tripled our numbers from the month before and we obviously broke triple digits we're very excited i know 103 doesn't sound like a lot to some people but in two episodes to go from 38 to 103 uh that's pretty awesome um and i also want to say thanks to john my podcastica co-host who chimed in and was surprised we didn't talk about a place called tilt at valco um uh, I think it was an arcade. I don't remember it, honestly. Uh, and apparently there used to be a software, etc. store in the Barnes & Noble that he and I both worked at, but apparently long before I worked there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea software, etc. had ever been attached to Barnes & Noble's. That was, uh, that was a new one for me. Yeah, me too. You know, speaking of the mall, I caught a news article last month where the train from an old San Jose theme park called Frontier Village, and we'll probably discuss that on a future episode, managed to continue its life at a mall up near Sacramento, up in the city of Cameron Park. That's amazing. I'm going to have to go check that out. Uh, definitely, because unfortunately, uh, and I'll include a link to this uh, story in the show notes, the Frontier Village train actually T-boned a van. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, we will... Uh, We'll see what what becomes of that train. Hopefully, it doesn't get scrapped because that would really be that would be pretty crappy. Right. Stay tuned for future details. Yeah. Um, and kind of jumping back a little bit to our um, our Christmas episode. You know, we were talking so much about Toys R Us uh, news recently that uh, Toys R Us is going to be 
uh, shutting down what something like eighty two stores nationwide. Yeah, it's about twenty percent of the U.S. Uh, market. That's big. Um, it is big, and it's unfortunate. It's it's kind of a the way things are going these days with brick and mortar retail, but but I think the thing that's most news newsworthy in, in our terms is the the uh, Sunnyvale location of Toys R Us, the one that's purportedly haunted by spirits that we talked so much about in episode one, yes. is thankfully not on the list of store closures. So it's actually uh, going to survive at least for now, which yeah. is great. Um, I'm really excited about that. I think that if it had been on the list of closures, I definitely would have. Uh, had to make a trip down for one last go around with the uh, the haunted Toys R Us. Uh, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. I think we would have to actually make an event out of that if that, or God forbid, when that happens. Right. Well, shall we dive into this time? This time on If Memory Serves. I'm so excited. Would, um, you, would, you, would you like to have the honors? Of starting? Yeah. All right, sure. Um, so what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is we are going to uh, each go back and forth talking about some uh, uh, some celebrity that we had a crush on uh, as we were growing up. And, um, you know, it was kind of funny, this as an exercise, it was like, wow, I really had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. It was very, at first I thought it would be very easy to make this list because there's no way to really have a wrong answer. Um, yeah. But at the same time, not only were there so many people on my list, but when I saw your list, I, I about half, there was so much duplication that I kind of almost felt like I, I wanted to start from scratch. So I definitely think that um, potentially maybe next year we might have a, a if, if, I don't know how you feel about this, but maybe mm. even a sequel episode, because I definitely think there's a lot of people I had to leave off my list just for uh, time's sake. Uh, yeah, we can absolutely look into that. Yeah, we'll see where we're where we're at next February. Right. Um, well, my first and I'm going to go not necessarily in the order that I wrote them out. Uh, I just kind of, was, mm-hmm. you know, puking them out of my brain. Uh, when I was getting these down, um, is one I'm particularly excited about because in literally two weeks uh, from right now as we're recording, I'm going to be down in Los Angeles for a Doctor Who convention called Gallifrey One. That's right. Yes. And uh, one of the people who are going to be there, I actually have had the pleasure of talking to and interviewing before, but I've never met in person. Um, so this is going to be kind of a childhood slash teenage hood dream come true for me um sophie aldred and she played ace on doctor who from about 87 or 88 through 89 um the last few seasons of what we we like to call classic who um and for me i mean it's easy for me i'm a huge doctor who fan i had crushes on plenty of companions on doctor who but um (laughs) Ace came along right about the time when I was, oh, by the time we got them on PBS, about the time I was 13, 13 and a half, just finishing up eighth grade, going into high school. Um, and, and granted the actress who played her, Sophie, she's, you know, um, older than the character. Uh, but, uh, the character of Ace is around about 16, 17 when she first enters the show. And for me, you know, when I would run down, well, not run down, get driven over to, 
uh, R&K Comics in Santa Clara and begged them and begged them to bring in Doctor Who magazine because <laughs> Doctor Who is not even remotely as popular then as it is today. Right. Um, uh, to to get it in, uh, you know, any issue uh, at that point, you know, had something to do with the Seventh Doctor, had something to do with Ace. And I had, I had a number of issues um, where I would just pour over them and they weren't very long back then but i just yeah i was gobbling up everything i could i absolutely loved it and not only that but i actually went and um at the time went down to stevens creek surplus bought myself um the same kind of black bomber jacket with the uh the orange lining mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh uh that she had her character had um and and literally started adding you know my own batches and patches and stuff to it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that's that's how big of an impact you know her her character had on me um and that jacket's been halfway around the world with me and back i mean i've taken mm-hmm. it to australia i've taken it to new zealand i've taken it to england mm-hmm. um i still have it wow um and in fact i've over the past you know year or so i have started kind of making an effort to put more of the screen accurate patches uh and badges uh on them when i can get a hold of them obviously some are are near impossible to find Mm. so i'm not too worried about that but yes that jacket is absolutely coming down to la with me in a couple weeks um and i actually managed through a friend to find someone's uh uh, site or page rather on Redbubble where they have recreated the art from some of the t-shirts that uh, Sophie Aldred wore as Ace on Doctor oh. Who and I went ahead <laughs> and got one of them. Really? Oh yes. And and it it looks fantastic and I you know I'll wear it with the jacket at the convention. I'll you know if you want to call it a, a cosplay crossplay uh kind of thing this is i mean doctor who's my bread and butter this is kind of what i dive into so yeah mad mad crush on sophie aldred for sure i i really hope uh, you can get a photo with her at the convention and i would love to see that i have a photo op scheduled uh saturday afternoon with her and sylvester mccoy that's so cool i know Oh my gosh! I know, and I'm bringing I'm bringing a couple things down um, to have signed, uh, not just uh, by her necessarily, um, but there's there's a, a number. There's Gallifrey One's got like almost 150 guests, um, and so I've got a couple things that you know either people have written or um, an appearance in a magazine or something that I'm going to bring down, and you know, or, or a novel they wrote. Uh, or something and, and, and have people sign. I've actually got quite a number of people I want to get autographs from this year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, when I saw your list, she was the only person on your list that I have a memory of you having either a poster or a picture of hanging up in our childhood bedroom on the uh, wall. Yeah. In which fact, I think I had one of each. Yeah. I think that says something right there. So <laughs> this was a, this is a great start to the list, man. Definitely. Definitely. I remember the, I think the poster was, oh, I think the poster was her sitting on top of some sort of like sculpture dinosaur or something. Mm. Uh, the picture was a black and white of her from an episode called the curse of Fenric that took place in uh, 1940s England. And so she was in kind of that period 
costume with the snood mm. and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I swear if that picture is, you know, available to like have her sign, I'm going to be like, okay, this one. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> this is right. Childhood. I need you to sign this one, please. Oh, perfect. Um, so yeah. Yeah. There's, there we go. There's the oh, that's... salvo. You're up. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, first on my list, we're actually taking a little stroll further down the animal kingdom. Um, and this is, I really, you know, I got to be honest with our listeners and with you, my brother. Um, I, I couldn't leave this person off my list and I couldn't leave them anywhere other than the first on my list because this is literally technically my very first crush. And it was on um, the Oscar nominated actress Elizabeth Hartman, specifically her role as the voice of uh, Mrs. Brisby from the 1982 Don Bluth animated film The Secret of Nim. Did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he'd put on a dress and play a girl bunny? No. <laughs> no. Neither did I. I was, I was just asking. Uh, folks, if you're not familiar with this film, it's based on a book. It's about um, sentient rats and mice uh, who have been given um, extraordinary... Um, intellectual capacity and the capacity for speech via um, mad scientist type testing by the National Institute for Mental Health. And Wikipedia describes Mrs. Brisby as a timid, widowed field mouse who lives in a cinder block with her children in a field on the Fitzgibbons farm. And um, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with this film and with this character. And I don't know if you remember this tape, but we used hmm. to go to a video store uh, next door to an aquarium called Bangkok Aquarium. Oh, yes. I remember Bangkok Aquarium. That was what Curtis Mathis up on Bascom. It was the Curtis Mathis on Bascom, right? Wow. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I loved this movie so much. I didn't understand the concept of a video store in the sense that you would rent a movie, watch it, return it, and then rent a different movie. So every time we, every week we would go as a family, I would just want to rent that movie over and over again because that's what I thought a video store was all about. Just rent, you know, find your favorite movie and just keep renting it over and over. It was ridiculous. Well, and that, um, that is how it goes for some, I'm sure. Now, I got to ask, do you own a copy of this movie now? I, I don't. Um, I, I really need to, like, up my game, get some sort of amazing Criterion Collection Blu-ray edition. <laughs> um, I know that there was a sequel. I refuse to even acknowledge its existence. Because the original was so good, I just can't bring myself to watch anything else. The, the voice talent in this film alone, Dom DeLuise, Sir Derek Jacoby, Will Wheaton, Shannon Doherty. Um, and it's really tragic because Elizabeth Hartman, she actually, um, right after, this was her last role, she committed suicide. She suffered from depression. Oh, uh, yeah, and it's just it just adds to the kind of the pathos of this role for me. Um, and it's, it's, it's deep waters for me right here, man. Wow. Oh yeah. man, that, that's really kind of heavy. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. But let's, let's, uh, let's pick it up again. Let's go back to your list. Who, who's next? Okay. Well, uh, we're going to go a little bit further back in time this time. Um, but it's very much a classic, uh, Soleil Moon Fry as Punky Brewster. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I must just like quirky women who kind of have their own sense of i don't know everything because because punky brewster definitely definitely was that <laughs> um and it's kind of funny because i look back at you know you go try to find some of this stuff on on youtube or even just watch like the the uh um 
the intro, like the theme song and stuff. And, and it's like, why did I, I really, I watched this. I was oh, obsessed. No. Well, not, oh, you know, shut up. not no, that horrible. Was the, that, no. that was the greatest show ever. Oh man. <laughs> you know, my, my biggest memory of Punky Brewster, I think there was like a very special episode when like they sat us down and like tried to explain the space shuttle challenger explosion. I vaguely remember that. And like, I, it's like, I'd have to rewatch it because I have all these like, like I had this in, like uh, memory. It might be a false memory that like Nancy Reagan had a cameo and she was trying to like console Soleil Moon Fright. But it's like <sighs> I'm sure that I'm sure that's not accurate. I'm sure that's not real. I don't but. know. A little bit of research. I'm sure we could figure that out pretty quickly. But uh, you know, Punky Brewster was again. That was one of those shows. It's like there was a whole subgenre in the '80s of um, adults of I don't want to say power. Adults of stature taking in. Uh, you know, orphaned or otherwise <laughs> forlorn kids. Yeah, there's, like silver there's spoons. There's a whole subgenre of this. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of creepy when you think about it, but yeah, you're entirely true. You're entirely accurate. I mean, well, and at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. Obviously, as a kid, that's not the part of the story I was focused on. But you look back on it as an adult, and and especially nowadays, and you're like, okay, so so what are we saying to the population that? Oh, trust the rich white folk. They know what to do. They know best. I'm like, is that brainwashing they were doing back then? Didn't Punky didn't Punky wear like colored scarfs tied around like her yes. knees or something like that? But it was yes. weird. It was like around her like the joints of her limbs or something. Like it, like you think you know, you wear a scarf on your forehead or maybe like a neckerchief, but it was like around like it was almost like a tourniquet or something. Yeah. I, it's like, what was going on with that? You it, know, honestly, it, it was part of the fashion of the day. I, I, I specifically remember a bandana tied around, you know, a knee joint or something. And it just, right. it was the look. I mean, it was, it literally was kind of an element of punk culture. I love it. Um, yeah. Punky Grooster. Great show. Totally. You know? And you know, the funny thing is I probably haven't seen an actual episode in, well, 30 years easily. Yeah, I'd probably say the same. <laughs> All right, man, you're up. Okay, so the uh, the next person on my list is uh, an 80s icon, Winona Ryder. Oh, yes. Uh, Golden Globe winning actress, Winona Ryder. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of her role as uh, Lydia Dietz in Beetlejuice mm-hmm. and Veronica Sawyers in Heathers. Yeah. Um, I mean, Winona, I mean, she's so iconic in terms of an 80s icon. Mm-hmm. Um that it's difficult to say anything because everybody's familiar with her and her body of work. So, you know, what else is there to say? The only thing I really have to say is I know that she was engaged for a couple years um, with uh, Johnny Depp and they eventually broke it off. Part of me wonders if there's an alternate universe where they actually got together and had a family. And can you imagine like how pretty her descendants would be with like Johnny Depp? <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. And they all end up in Tim Burton movies. Right, right. Know? And then... And the thing that really was really exciting, the most exciting thing for me, I didn't know this until tonight. Her father, her prof- his profession, he's an archivist, which is my profession. Oh, so that's no kind kidding. of it's kind of a fun little uh, oh, factoid cool. I found. Out. Yeah, yeah. No, do you have any like Winona Ryder memories? Oh, or gosh, yeah. I mean, both those movies for sure. Um, you know, and, and she played such a kind of badass in Heather's that it's kind of like you know you kind of get kind of get drawn in by the bad girl mm-hmm. persona. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, do you have, have you seen Stranger Things? You know, I have not. I know she's in it. I know that the yes. show is, um, you know, I've seen, I, I saw the the movie It, which oh, a lot of okay. people 
compared to uh, Stranger Things, and I loved it. It was probably my favorite movie of 2017. Ugh, so I'm okay. sure it's great. And I know Winona's in it, I think. Um, um, well, I actually, I got, this is the weirdest thing, you know, here's here's Netflix, here's a Netflix show that you can now get on DVD. Um, but I got the first season of Stranger Things on DVD for Christmas. Oh, cool. Um, so if you ever want to borrow it, yeah, uh, and see it. Winona Ryder is in it, and and she's fantastic. I'm, I mean, I, I realize I'm, I'm bringing it into the present, but she she still is great. Yeah, no, totally. Um, awesome. But yeah, Beetlejuice was one of those films when we were kids, uh, or when we, when we were young, that yeah, I, I would I'd watch it all the time. You mm-hmm. know, I I totally enjoyed it and how offbeat it was. Uh, Beetlejuice is great for so many reasons, but one of the reasons I really like it the most is it's 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 a movie about ghosts, but it shows ghosts as human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, like Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. I mean, these are just normal folks who they ended up dead and they're still in their house and they're just trying to make the best of it. And you know, if there is a spiritual world, and I know we will talk about supernatural things on future episodes, yeah, I I have to think that you know that's probably got to be maybe the norm, you know, I would think, you know, I'm sure there's like evil ghosts. Most horror movies show ghosts as scary things or dangerous things, but maybe they're just folks that they're attached to their property and they're trying to make a living, you know? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, let's see my turn. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. This, this, this one is not only again, still kind of real high in the rankings, but even, even her today, you know, Definitely up there is uh, Leah Thompson, both as Lorraine Bates in Back to the Future. Uh, and uh, do you remember Howard the Duck? Oh, gosh, a classic. <laughs> oh, geez. I remember being driven to fifth grade as the era of desegregation. So we were we were being driven literally to the other side of town. Yep. And I would sit there in the morning with my Walkman because uh, that's what it was, kids. It was a Walkman. Um, and, and listening to the Howard the Ducks soundtrack. <laughs> Did you have Most it? of which you can still find on YouTube. Oh, that's great. Yes. Oh, wonderful. You know, I'm so glad you brought up Leia because, um, I'm going to get on my soapbox for like two minutes. Oh, okay. Go right ahead. But when I think about the 1980s, you think about a decade of conspicuous consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think it's so tied into the Cold War and the 1980s, you know, the Soviet Union, the threat of thermonuclear annihilation. Sure. You know, why Why is? Why would you want to save money in the bank like a prudent person when tomorrow might not happen? You know, let's go out and spend that money today on a Porsche, right? <laughs> I, I, I think that that ethos bled so much into our popular culture and especially films and television shows. And I think the highest... Uh, um, form of that are some of the romantic relationships um, untraditional romantic relationships shown in 80s movies so i'm thinking about princess leia making out with her brother in empire strikes back <laughs> leia thompson making out with her son marty mcfly back to the future or with howard the duck yeah um okay. i mean it's 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 um when when i see when i see leia thompson and michael j fox making out in the back of a like a 1950s car it's like, for me personally, it's a direct line to like the threat of nuclear annihilation, you know, because it's, it just seems to me that it's like, you know, why is it a bad idea to date 
Howard the Duck? Well, because nine months in the future, you might give birth to some, you know, uh, human Z like a hybrid, some sort of unholy creature. But <laughs> if nine months from now the world is a burning cinder, then there's no problem with dating Howard the Duck. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm really expressing myself correctly, but I think it just shows it, it's so the 80s is so wrapped up in the Cold War. And I just think that we as youngsters growing up in that environment, being mm-hmm. exposed to all sorts of different um, uh, uh types of relationships uh, on the big screen and then on the small screen. I think it's really interesting looking at this list to see how traditional or non-traditional we might be. So anyway, I just had to get, I had to throw that out there. That is, that is a very interesting observation. And as somebody who grew up with massive anxiety over um, that exact fear, uh, I mean, back when they used to do air raid siren tests, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd flip out. It was, it was a terrifying thought. Mm-hmm, to me mm-hmm. it, and gosh you know aren't we getting shades of that again these days right um but that's a very interesting observation um yeah maybe i mean maybe that was a good analysis of the the excess of the 80s it was that you know hey you know, party now for tomorrow we may uh you know be a burnt cinder but right you gotta admit i mean one of the best uh Leah Thompson movies with a direct Cold War tie had to be Red Dawn. Oh, yeah. You know, I think Leah Thompson as Lorraine Bates, total hottie. But, you know, you give her an AK-47, and yeah. I think she's even prettier. That's just me. <laughs> that's just how I feel about that. But No, I'll, I'll, I get you. That That's a but, fair point. This was such a great choice for your list, man. I was really, you know, she definitely was on my list, and I was so happy when, when she was on your list, too. So that was... Oh, oh definitely. Definitely a... Uh, Thumbs up on that one. Yeah. And Back to the Future, I think, was might have been one of the first movies that we saw like multiple times in the theater. And then once it was out on video, bought it and just wore it out. Oh, sure. Like We watched that movie so many times. I have distinct memories of playing on the porch, playing Legos mm-hmm. and having a little Lego man with a little Lego man briefcase that would open up. And there being a very small Lego piece that had only one little nipple on it. It was that small. It was a little square. Yeah. And it was yellow. And I would put it in the briefcase, and I would pretend that was plutonium. Nice. And he's like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the rest of the, um, the, the, the play plot was. I don't know if there were, like, Lego Libyan terrorists that would chase him around or something like that. But well, I remember it, trying to build Lego VW buses, so there might have been. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, who knows? <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Ugh. What do we got next? All right, so uh, the next person on my list is a uh, Tony Award-nominated actress, Adrian Barbeau, um, yes. a, a local girl born in Sacramento, grew up in San Jose, or at least went to Delmore High School in San Jose with our aunts, Carol and Jeannie. That's right. I was going to bring that up when you mentioned right. that. You know, um, there is a, a photo in the family photo album that our dad swears shows not only Carol, Jeannie, and our uncle Earl, as well as our great-grandmother, but also Adrian Barbeau, and really? I have, and I'm going to share that image with you, and hopefully we can we can put it on our, some of our social media so the members sure. of our the public can chime in and see if this is correct or not. But um, <laughs> you know, she was in so many great roles. But I really, as a child, I'd have to say that I really loved her in the 1981 film The Cannibal Run yeah, uh, as yeah. the character Marcy Thatcher. Um, and I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm even to this day I'm torn. I don't know if what I like better, 
Barbeau or the Lamborghini Countach that she drove in the movie. Well, let's be honest. The Countach does have some pretty classic lines. I mean, it's just, do you get any more 80s than Adrian Barbeau in a Lamborghini Countach? I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can, you know? I'll be honest. Um, I don't know if you could. Uh, that would be that would be something worth putting out to the uh, the Radwood group that I'm a part of on uh, Facebook. That's an 80s 90s car show, and you know they definitely go in for this kind of stuff. I mean, all I really need is an Adrian Barbo action figure, which I'm convinced must exist somewhere because she's been in so many of those types of movies that there might be action figures for. There might be. Get that together with a vintage Sideswipe Transformer. I think he was the one that was a Countach. And then I'm ready to go. My very first Transformer. Oh, yeah. It would be the perfect pairing. And then you're you're halfway to having like a, you know, Cannonball Run playset or something. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I just just noticed, you know, two out of the last three uh, choices on my list, they're uh, films that starred Dom DeLuise. So I'm not sure if that's a theme here that I'm going to keep going for the night. But we'll find out. So there's like some sort of... Like I think, subtext going on here is that I you think, really, really are into Dom DeLuise. I think Dom DeLuise is the is the power behind the throne here, the the, the magic uh, man behind the curtain. So we'll, it, we'll see what happens. It might be. It oh, might geez. be. That's good. No, let's also not forget that Adrian Barbeau was in a, well, I wanted to say well-known film, but maybe it wasn't so much. The Swamp Thing. Oh, oh, oh my God. What a great movie. Oh, I watched that movie so many times when I was a little kid. I remember watching it. Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, we we will have a topic one of these months of movies we saw way too young. <laughs> um, and boy, that's going to be a fun list. And I almost <laughs> think I would put the Swamp Thing on there because I remember it being kind of spooky. And I'm like, I probably shouldn't be watching this at this age, but we did. <laughs> that movie was so great. It was good. Oh, jeez, Yeah. So wait, who's next on your list? Oh, okay. So I'm, even though I kind of just put my list together all higgledy piggledy, I am just going to go down them in order at this point, because that's the only way I'm going to keep it straight and not suddenly go, wait, did I already talk about this person? Um, <laughs> all right. This is, this is going to generate some discussion. It's Nancy McKeon as Rhonda Malone in the 1985 TV movie, Poison Ivy. <laughs> This this is one of those TV movies of legend in our family. I remember we recorded it, uh, you know, on our old school top loader VCR. And the best part, folks, is go look at the show notes. It's on YouTube. You can watch it right now. I actually tried watching it uh, a few months ago and got maybe about 20, 25 minutes into it. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so just overwhelmed with like childhood nostalgia i actually have to take a break but it all came running back didn't it oh my god did it ever and 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 for for being a tv movie the amount of talent in that is amazing because michael j fox is in that right um adam baldwin who would go on to do like firefly amongst other things Mm -hmm. uh was in it and and you know you say things about child actors of the 80s but there are so many child actors in this and they all do a really damn good job oh it's it's a it's the best summer camp movie i've ever seen hands down oh yeah which which is which is probably something good to say i mean Rhonda plays um uh like a camp counselor at a Mm -hmm. at a summer camp and michael j fox is a camp counselor at like the boys camp across the lake right um and you can kind of imagine what you can fill in the details yourself uh, it's a classic trope it's yeah exactly 
Um, but I mean, seriously, 1985, what a year for Michael J. Fox, right? right? Teen Wolf, Back to the Future, oh, God, and Poison Ivy. Oh, jeez, Teen Wolf. Oh, I forgot about Teen Wolf. And I can't tell you how many times in the late 90s when I was first getting on the internet, I would search for Poison Ivy, and all I would find was the stupid Drew Barrymore movie with the same name. Right. And I would get so angry at the computer. I was like, that's not the real Poison Ivy. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, and I thankfully, just, oh, geez. We can now sort one from the other. Oh, yeah. But, uh, um, Nancy, what a talent, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, let, let's not forget her spin on the facts of life as well. Right. Exactly, um, but and I'm trying to think. I'm like, what what was it about her that I I as a as a kid was like, oh, she's such a babe, you know? Well, she just was. A, she was. A, she was great. She was, and I and but I, I still I I kind of want to quantify it on some level, and I and I think I think she just kind of had this like mostly wholesome with a hint of bad girl side to her. Okay, like I don't know. I mean, there there are other people on my list where I can point and be like, yeah, she was just a babe. It was, you know, eye candy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Nancy McKeon was one of those actresses where it was like, you know, there, there definitely was that. But, you know, like on Facts of Life, she played more of, you know, the bad girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't okay. remember if she was quite the same on in Poison Ivy or not. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I should have awesome. given this more thought before we sat down. Well, I think this is great. I think two of your first three choices are uh, actresses that started in films co-starring with Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, I think I'm seeing the secret man crush for you, Michael J. Fox, whereas I had the Dom DeLuise thing going on. So Okay. Okay. You I, know what? I, you know what? I think you're onto something because I will tell you like legit true story right now. Sit down, kids, because here we go. I was so into Back to the Future. Uh as a kid that I literally remember going into a supercuts because I think yeah. it was a supercuts at the time, whatever, right. <laughs> going into a, a, a haircut place with like the back to the future, you know, <laughs> companion <laughs> magazine that you could pick up at Safeway. <laughs> Listen to your laugh. You little bastard. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> and, and being like, I want this haircut. I want Michael J. Fox's haircut. I kid you not. True story. I did that once and then never again. Can I? Can I? Can I have this haircut, please? <laughs> Are you trying to tell me you built a time machine out of this set of clippers? Right. Oh, it's so good. Oh, uh, yeah. I think you're right. I think. I think if we're gonna talk secret man crush, yes, Michael J. Oh, yeah. Fox, or, or not so secret as the case may be. <laughs> not now. I not now. No. No. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I think uh, I think I'm up next. Okay. And uh, I've got one here. I'm not sure if uh, you or, or most of our viewers are going to recognize this, but I'm gonna, it's uh, I'm, I, I recognize the the title of the show. So okay. I have a vague recollection of the actress, but I think I think you might now win for most obscure. <laughs> most, oh, jeez, thanks. Uh, so it's uh, uh, Valerie Elaine. Uh, she's a French actress. She portrayed the character of Mireille in something called French in Action. Did you actually look up how to pronounce that? Uh, I, 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 my French pronunciation is uh, incredible. Okay, because uh, I'm like Muriel. No, yeah, I'm it's Mireille. I'm going like total Omaha, Mireille. Nebraska on it. So. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. But anyway, Valerie, she starred in this 52-episode television series. It was actually produced by Yale University really? and Public Television's WGBH Boston. 
Now, French in Action, it, it was filmed in the summer of 1985 in Paris. And technically, it's a French language instruction course. But really, it's a romantic comedy interspersed with grammar and vocabulary lessons. And it's developed kind of a cult following due in large part to Valerie's stunning beauty. Uh, and according to uh, the L.A. Times, of all things, French in Action's, quote, secret weapon is a cast so incredibly good looking that you really, really want to be able to talk to them. It is learning by desire, unquote. And <laughs> French in Action, for those who um, have never seen it, it, it was actually, um, it, it was something that you could, it was like a college course kind of thing, but you could watch it on, it was aired nationally on PBS, um, which is why a lot of people are familiar with it. And not only does it show what life was like in Paris in 1985, which I think kind of is fascinating, but it's interspersed with all sorts of weird, random TV commercials and TV clips from French television and cinema from the 80s and the 70s, which mm -hmm. I think is also pretty fascinating. But Valerie, she is just, I mean, there's so many people on my list that I had crushes on because their char the characters they played were interesting or they were really talented people. Valerie, she just fell off the pretty tree and hit every branch on the way down. <laughs> I mean, she like she really kind of looks like Grace Kelly a bit. Um, uh, yeah, I can, I can. You know what? I just actually just to refresh my memory, just Google image searched her, and yes, I can. I see some Grace Kelly, um, maybe hints like if she was a blonde Audrey Hepburn a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. she, she no, she is she's quite a beautiful woman, definitely. They they had a reunion about five years ago at Yale University of the cast and crew of this show. Seriously. And she showed up and she's in her like mid late forties now. Okay. And she, and oh my gosh, she's just so pretty. Just so pretty. So anyway, that's, uh, that was the next person. So, you know, no more Dom DeLuise, I guess. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No Dom DeLuise and French. Yeah. No Dom DeLuise connection to that one. <laughs> oh boy. So, so who do who do you have uh, who do you have next on uh, on your list? Okay, so so next on my list, I, I kind of get to a point in my list where I'm I literally was starting to look at like okay who were you know famous '80s you know uh, uh, child actresses like looking for those lists and you know they had a lot of people where it's like okay yeah I remember them but it wasn't you know and then and then I started finding a couple of like uh, uh, gems in the rough as it were kind of jogging my memory as I'm coming up with this list now I believe it was 1984's uh it, when this this movie came out and it's by far still one of my favorites mm -hmm. I own it on DVD <laughs> um I love it to death I really wish the sequel had been made but it wasn't but it was Buckaroo Bo Buckaroo Banzai and the Adventures Across the Eighth Dimension Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm thinking of Ellen Barkin's role in that movie as Penny Pretty, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. very troubled character. Uh, but boy, oh boy, was she kind on the eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that movie is just so great on so many levels. Oh God. Um, like, like, like nothing else. It's a right. total cult following these days. Yeah. Um, but the amount of talent that was in that movie right uh was unparalleled and and if you enjoy like our intro and outro music if you like that synthwave vibe go listen to the end credits music right uh for that movie it's it's fantastic i i, I it's, for me it's all about the lectoids from planet 10 yes uh especially john big booty which i think was either christopher lloyd or dan hedea i'm not sure which one he was but any occasion i can have to say john big booty exactly uh, 
I'll, I'll take I'll take them up on it, you know. But if if I ever had to just be like, you know what, I'm gonna go online, but I need to use a pseudonym. It's gonna be Emilio Lazardo. Emilio Lazardo. Yes. John Smallberries. <laughs> John Yaya. <laughs> John Yaya. Yes. Oh my but, god. You know, it's really interesting because Ellen Barkin, she her character, I think, if I remember correctly, um, Buckaroo Banzai had a wife in the film who died, and Ellen Barkin was like the long lost twin sister of the wife yes or something yes something along Maybe? those lines something along those lines right right um but because um, let's i mean let's not forget we've got peter weller in the title peter weller. Role, jeff goldblum young <laughs> jeff goldblum uh mc gainey um oh, john geez. lithgow john, john lithgow, lithgow of and course. he chews so much scenery in that movie it's amazing uh, it's it's yeah. so good oh yeah i mean john lithgow at his pre third rock from the sun best Vincent Schiavelli, one of the greatest oh, character of actors course. of all time. Worse. Right. How could I forget him? Right, right. Such a great film. Folks, oh, if geez. you haven't seen it, man, you're missing out. Go find it. If you could have one prop from that movie, what would it be? Because I would want the weird alien creature that was like suction cupped onto the, like the bottom of like the time vehicle. Yeah. Like yeah. the weird it was like a like a circular ball or something. Yeah. Basically, you know, we're gonna take a Ford F one fifty pickup and throw a bunch <laughs> of just stuff on it hey you know it, it works if you throw it on a delorean let's throw it on a, on a pickup truck um honestly so good. i would oh man any, oh wait geez, what? and it, it had the guy from uh, shawshank redemption the guy who played the prison guard oh gosh what's his name oh 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 um shoot uh... you know too bad i'm not in front of a computer machine right now i could i could look that up <laughs> anyway what are you yeah, in front of anyway great. Great movie, great character, great choice all around. Definitely. I would probably, I would want a, a reproduction of the, um, the overthruster. Oh, the oscillation overthruster? The oscillation overthruster. Thank you. That's the, right. that's the word I was looking for. And just right. find a way to mount it in my car. Just be like, right, right. right. <laughs> Here's that's what I've got, yo. Yeah. I think that's a little cooler than the flex capacitor by like maybe an inch. Like it's just a little bit cooler. Yeah. But unfortunately you can't get the oscillation over a thruster as a, as a, uh, cigarette lighter plug in USB <laughs> thing. Cause I've got that. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe someone will make it. Maybe someone will make it. And unfortunately I don't actually use the little flux capacitor one in my car. Cause when I leave for work in the morning and it's really, really dark out and I have that thing on, it's bright. It is distracting as hell. It's really cool. You're killing me. Oh, that's so funny. Oh boy. I could just see you getting like pulled over because it's not like street legal or something. That would be a great citation, you know. That would be hanging hilarious. up on the wall. Yeah. Why'd you get pulled over? Well, my flux capacitor was too bright. I know you're like you're sitting at 9 a.m. at like the traffic school. Everybody's going around the circle telling what they did. I got pulled over because my flux capacitor was too bright. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my! Such a great choice, man. Time to get you some oh, water. I think I love it. Oh gosh! All right, man. What you got next? Is it, is it my turn? It is your turn. It, Unless you want turn. me to go oh. again. No, no. I, okay, I'm, I'm good. Uh, uh, my next choice. The uh, the amazing Dame Diana Rigg, yes, uh, as Lady Holiday in the nineteen eighty one film The Great Muppet Caper. Uh, as you know, you well, both of us, you know, we're both huge Muppet movie fans. Oh, for sure. Um, and Diana Rigg, uh, Diana Rigg. I mean, obviously Emma Peel from the Avengers. I didn't yes. really watch the Avengers when I was a little kid, so oh I didn't. Oh my god, it. that cat suit. I'm sorry. Oh, that... she just was just. Wow. I mean, 
here's like the drop whenever we're whenever we're talking about diana rig like the the factoid that i always bring out and it's like the drop the mic moment Mm -hmm. she played a bond girl in um on her majesty's secret service yes and it was the only bond girl that 007 ever put a ring on (laughs) there you go it was the only only time that james bond has ever gotten married to a bond girl in one of his films there you go it was diana rig and you know what that's like that's like the drop the mic moment for me that absolutely is Absolutely but yeah, the, the great Muppet caper, you know, she had the fabulous baseball diamond, <laughs> got stolen. Oh, God. Charles Froden had a thing with Miss Piggy. I mean, it was such a good movie. It was. They were in London. It was cool. Yeah, it was. I, I, I'm i a big fan of so many of the Muppet movies. And, and quite honestly, I, I think at some point, I don't know when, one of these uh, episodes for a topic, you know, do you remember when mcdonald's and their happy meals were giving away like great muppet caper glasses oh god like drinking glasses not eyeglasses oh well i would i would take both i would i would drink out of that (laughs) cup and wear the eyeglasses at the same time because that's sign me up you know that was those glasses because they also had like um some garfield ones they had some charlie brown ones over the years i've got a couple of the garfield ones still that i got from mom and dad yeah um, but that was the first item was those like great Muppet caper glasses that the first time I saw them in an antique store mm-hmm. and I went, wait, that's something from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Oh crap. I'm old. Oh, <laughs> it's not that bad, man. It, no, it's not. It's not. But it was that, <laughs> that first time I ever saw them in an antique store and I went, wait, wait, that can't be right. Oh, jeez! But at the same time, totally want a set. You know, I'm going to say something really quick, but probably really controversial. Do it. Uh, nobody loved Jim Henson more than I did. His loss was just such a tragic oh, tra- tragedy. I mean, if I if I needed to cry on cue, there's nothing easier for me to cry than if I go on YouTube and watch the some of the footage of some of the memorial services that were held when the puppeteers were playing different, like, you know, Big Bird was at his funeral or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Totally horrible. But here's the thing. I'm going to say something, and it's a question. I don't know if this. Is, I don't know what the right answer to this question is. But his death almost coincided with, in my opinion, the emergence of computer-generated imagery and technology in motion picture films and television that kind of killed his art form um, of live-action puppetry, in hmm. a sense. Okay. And I, I, I almost kind of like if I could, if I, if I had like three wishes. I'm sure at least wish two or three would have been that Jim Henson didn't die so young, right? Yeah. But at, but at the same time, it's like it would have killed me to see him and his company and his art form die in another way in a sense because they'd be pushed out by like CGI in the 90s and stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't I'm, know if that sounds evil, but I don't no, know. I just had to throw I, it I kind, of, I kind of get what you're saying, but let me also say this as, you know uh, – as a father who watches a lot of kids shows. Yeah. Um, puppetry is not dead. Oh really? Okay. Puppetry is not dead. It may not be at the level that, uh, you know, it was back in like the Muppet show days. Okay. Um, but it's not dead. Definitely not dead. It's still there. It's still used. It's still enjoyed. Right. Um, but I do also get what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just had to throw that out there. Um, so who, who's next, uh, who next, who's next on your, uh, on your list? Oh, well, I, you know, this, this was by the time this next entry, uh, came onto my radar, 
Um, this was late high school now. So we're, we're, we're kind of pushing the nineties edge of things here, but it is the inimitable Gillian Anderson as the amazing Dana Scully in the X-Files. Um, from her very first scene, that very first episode, um, I, I was, I was sold. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Yes. I will kind of follow you to the ends of the earth or space or whatever that show's doing now. Um, <laughs> I am watching season 11 mm-hmm. right now. Um, and they've got some really good stuff, but anyway, um, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. do you, do you remember that Rolling Stone cover? <laughs> Very well. <laughs> most things well relating to most things relating to the X-Files. I have crystal clear memory of actually it's, yeah. it's funny. Uh, yeah, this is, this is one of the picks, man, on your list that I just thought, you know, that's, you know, if we didn't have that on the list, I would have been kicking myself later. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, this, you know, we would have had to wait till next February, right? Right, right. Um, great talent, um, totally. great actress, mm-hmm. um, great, great character, great writing, great show. It was such a great show because it really captured, um, in my opinion, like from about 1941 to 1991, the United States was in a battle against Nazi Germany, Imperial Japan, Soviet Russia. 1991 rolls around, right? Mm-hmm. We're the toughest kid on the block. We've beaten all these other world powers, right? And in my opinion, like 1991 until the terror attacks in 2001 was like a 10-year period where like America's walking around like a drunken sailor who had beaten everybody up at the bar. <laughs> and it's like and it's like the only thing we had left to beat up were space aliens. And so like the X-Files, the 90s, space aliens, like, I just, I just think it was like, it was like the next frontier of like, you know, you know, it was just such a great show. It was such a perfect show for its time, you know? Yeah. I don't know how to say that. Anyway, no, but no, no. It, great it, choice. Great, great choice. Yeah. And, and, oh. I, and I think the way, the way that you said that is, is very true. And, and in a lot of ways, and I mean, we will talk about this kind of stuff on another episode for sure is you know it it got us to also kind of you know question our own government's motives oh um, yeah and and it and it did a lot to further the whole like well you know maybe there is a conspiracy on here and that kind of dovetailing in with kind of like the art bell days which again we'll talk about not here oh, um yeah you know kind of all came together and and now we're we're literally living in that world Oh man! I mean, I mean, my it, God! It, I, I, I feel like I could talk at length. I'm not going to, about the fact that we literally like it, it was a very prophetic show, and I loved the yeah. fact that I loved the fact that a lot of the awards it won, it won awards for like, um, like in drama categories. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, because just it would have been so easy for people to pigeonhole the X Files and say, oh, it's a movie about ghosts and monsters and aliens. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's sci-fi. Let's push it over here. Yeah, kind of thing. exactly. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, oh great absolutely. choice. All right. Hit Such me with another choice. one. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. So, um, yeah, no, uh, Ali Sheedy, you know, yes. uh, Allison and the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, total Crush. Uh, Breakfast Club, great movie. I thought it would have been a crime if we didn't have at least one John Hughes movie and somehow incorporated into this list, this I episode. That's, that's a good point. Um, and you know what? Um, I just really thought that 
when she was in the breakfast club in the character of Allison, I thought she was great. Um, but the thing was like later on in that movie, I don't know if you remember Molly Ringwald gives her like a makeover and uh, she makes yes. her all pretty and puts her in like a pink dress. And it's like, where do you get the pink dress from? And like, <laughs> I thought she was so much prettier before that when she was like kind of in her goth thing with the hoodie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then it, it was also kind of weird because it was like at the very end of the movie, she kind of hooks up with Emilio Estevez's character. And it was like, I didn't quite understand the whole thing of like a goth getting together with a jock. Like, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like, those were two social groups that didn't really mix, yeah, which I guess is the message. Peanut butter or chocolate. No. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's kind of the message of the breakfast club, but um, you know, Allie, what a great talent. I mean, also I really liked her as Stephanie in short circuit. Oh, I was um, just going to say like, wait a second. She was in short circuit. God, more, right. more oddball movies that we watch. No, a lot. Yeah, totally. You know, which again, I think goes into the whole thing about the 80s, a lot of untraditional, unconventional relationships, because I kind of, it's not that like, it's not like she was really dating Johnny Five the Robot, but there was a couple, there were a couple moments there when like, they were kind of like, you know, she's like in a bathtub naked and like Johnny Five is like peeking through the window at her kind of thing, you you know? absolutely right on this. So it's kind of like, okay, it's like, it's the 80s, you know, there's all these, okay, people are having weird relationship kind of things, you know, robots and ladies dating ducks and ladies dating i uh, i cats and dogs living together yeah Wait, exactly no, uh, exactly exactly I, uh, dude you are really onto something here i feel like you could like write a paper about this i don't know i'm just i'm just but you know Allie, i yeah i think she was she was she was great you know she's uh she definitely made my list of uh people i had questions on when no, i was a kid absolutely so. absolutely right and I, I think I think in the interests of time, because we're already we're almost creeping up on an hour here. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I'm not I don't want to cut us short. I want to get through the rest of your list, but I will match it one for one. And then what I don't get to, I will save. OK, for for next time. We got to give the people something to to want to come back for. Exactly. Um, but the next one on my list um, is uh, the delightful Miss Elizabeth Shue. In Adventures in Babysitting. Don't F with the babysitter. That's right. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Because you've got oh. the note next to mine. First movie I ever heard the F word. <laughs> it might have been, although that also might have been DC Cab. But yeah, um, not, yeah. that's a movie we'll save for another episode. Um, you know, what can I say? I mean, I I think especially in this role, uh, in this movie, it was just fun for me to watch uh, as a kid because she's just, She's put through so put through so much, <laughs> um, and and just handles it, you know, right up to that that you know, don't f with the babysitter line, and that mm-hmm. just that just kind of like nails it for me. It's like, okay, you've come complete circle. You are a complete badass now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you win hands down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, such a she's done a, obviously a ton of stuff. Uh, Otherwise, but the the one iconic role I think for me growing up was Adventures in Babysitting. A classic film, a classic role, great choice. Oh. Where are we off to next? All right. So the next person I have on my list is I'm going to try to keep this a little quick. I got Holly Hallstrom, one of the uh, Barker's beauties on The Price Is Right. This um, this is a little left field for me. I mean, <laughs> we grew up watching a lot of Price Is Right. Oh, but I oh. was like, wait, oh, okay, yeah. She basically she was she Diane Parkinson and Janice Pennington for me That's they were like the holy trinity of Price is Right models and like 
granted, Holly, like, she didn't appear in as in many episodes as Diane, and she wasn't as interesting as Janice, who actually had a husband who was a CIA agent killed by Soviets in Afghanistan. Say what? Again with the Cold War. Say true, what? That's a 100% true story, by the way. Wow. Yeah. She actually, Janice wrote, like, an autobiography about her CIA agent husband, mm-hmm. and then there were, like, episodes of The Price is Right where, like, they, they gave away some of them as prizes. So no you'd be on, like, kidding. the showcase showdown, and it would be like, do you want the new car, or do you want the autobiography of Janice uh, talking about her CIA hatchet? You know, it was it was kind of a trip. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but personally, I thought Holly I thought Holly was the prettiest of the three, and she was, like, certainly the clumsiest. So she her bloopers on the show were just legendary. So I just I, wanted to throw that out there, a really quick one. No, that, put it that, the that is absolutely fair. I just, because, again remembering watching so much prices right growing up i'm like okay well now which which one was so i had to go choose go brunette research. yeah brunette almost a little bit of redhead yeah to her um yeah no i definitely i i she kind of fits in terms of prices right the uh marianne role to everybody else's ginger oh gosh that's perfect that that more kind of um uh i guess wholesome look mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he you're up there and you're a model but you're not you're not supermodel. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, do do you want supermodel? She Models was like looking pretty darn good. She was like the Price is Right model beauty from next door. Yes, that if that's that another way of putting it. Any Definitely. sense? Definitely. Anyway, <laughs> all right, I'm I'm throwing it back to you. Let's get back to your list. Let's okay, see what's okay. Next um, all right. Well, again, this is I guess actually late '80s, early '90s, right on the cusp there. Um, but we watched Twin Peaks at an age where that was a show that really shouldn't have made much sense to us. Um, but Sherilyn Fenn as Audrey Horn. <laughs> she made a lot of sense. She made so much <laughs> sense. Um, <laughs> um, you know, what do you say? I mean, you get this basic kind of like almost 50s saddle shoe uh I almost hesitate to say Lolita esque because I don't want to necessarily pull in the connotations that the novel brings, but um, that that kind of vibe it's it's kind of hard as a a budding teen with you know hormones coursing through your body to not be attracted to her. Oh, she's a classic beauty, you know, very much so. Yeah, um, I'm actually disappointed that she was in as little of the. Uh, what do they call it? Revival of Twin Peaks as she was. Oh, okay. um, and I have feelings about the revival of Twin Peaks. It was not quite what I was uh, geared up for, but that, mm. that's, that's another thing. If, if all you ever see in terms of Twin Peaks is what was shown on ABC for mm-hmm. like a season and a half, mm-hmm. you know, you're fine with that. Mm-hmm. The world does expand beyond it, but you know what? I'm going to stay in my little bubble of, of, uh, of, of the great Northern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great choice. Yes. Oh. Yes. I love your next choice. Oh yeah. I, Gates... I don't know how I didn't put her on my list. Oh my Gates... gosh. Such Gates a McFadden, yes. Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek, the next generation, you know, Crusher, she, indeed. she was so popular with myself, with you, and especially a lot of my classmates growing up. Mm-hmm. I can still to this day, remember the shock i felt when she was kind of like replaced in season two by dr pulaski the character oh, uh, yeah 
and it was just like not the same Mm -hmm. Um, and then they brought her back for like season three which was great and like there were so many people i knew growing up that just had a thing for her for some reason oh for sure it was a kid i went to high school with um it's really tragic he actually died really young but he was a really great guy and he had such a crush on gates mcfadden that he always carried around with him a five inch beverly crusher action figure in his pants pocket at all time wow it was, yeah, it was like, it was some serious stuff, you know, but, um, she was, she was just great, oh, you know, absolutely. um, and, uh, yeah, so that was just, I had to put her on the list, you know, I, I, I think that was excellent. And I'm, I'm shocked at myself for not thinking to put her on my list. That's a great uh, choice. It, it, and really, you know, for us, the next generation started in 87 mm-hmm. and that was, that was our Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Growing oh, up. Yeah. I mean, sure, we'd been exposed to the original series, but this was our Star Trek. Yep. yep. Um, and come to think of it, there was, you know, I remember there was a character who was on for, you know, one episode. Um, I remember the character's name. I don't remember the actress's name, but Jordan LaForge had a massive crush on her. Wait, the the engineer who helped design the Enterprise? Uh, I think. I remember the, oh, yeah. the, the character's name was Leah Brahms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. She was in several episodes. Was she in several episodes? I knew, obviously, it was at least one, but I can't remember if it was several or not. Oh, yeah. No, Jordy. Yeah, Jordy had to create her uh, in a holo, uh, in the holodeck. Yes, that's right. And um, and she fe- and he fell in love with her, and then he met the real life one of her, and she was, like, obviously different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. That's yes, such, yes, oh, yes, yeah, yes, that yes. Was, oh, that was a great little that's subplot right. or whatever. That's right. You know? Yes. That's yeah. exactly what happened. But, boy, yeah, that... That actress. I'll have to look her up for the next time. Did you have a thing for her? Oh, yeah. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. I thought she was a yeah. total babe. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, you have you have good taste, just Thank like you. a pretty, you know? <laughs> but you don't have to take my word for it. But my glasses aren't as cool as his. Oh, no. But you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> uh, you, you, thank you for getting that. Did thank you me. really just throw a reading rainbow? I, you know, I knew if anybody but, would catch it, it would be my brother. So nicely done. It oh, took me a second, but nicely oh. done. We got there. Don't worry. We got there. All right. All right. Who's up next? Is it me? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because you did Gates McFadden. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly in the Rocketeer. Okay. Confession time. When I saw your list, there were lots of people on your list that was duplicate of my list. Mm -hmm. But this was the only entry on your list where I was actually jealous. Wow. I had such a thing for her, especially. For her character of Jenny in the Rocketeer when yeah, I was growing up. I remember. I mean, I mean, I this is your pick, so I want you to do I don't want to steal oh, I feel like I talk no, over no, you no, all no. the time. No, but no, I want no, no. you to, we, I want we you to share, talk about this. We share this show. I'll talk about it, but I I want you to talk about it too, because for okay. me, one <clears throat> I th- I think at that point in my life I really liked that kind of thirties and forties aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that was big. Um that that kind of look was you know making somewhat of a comeback um and and so you know you you get obviously kind of that that 40s you know you get you get the hair and the makeup you kind of get the pinup look going i even today you can't go wrong with that look that look is always a win um and and jennifer connelly i mean you you can't beat it i mean she's one obviously she's a great actress oscar award-winning actress exactly yeah um and in an adventure movie that, you know, I, I I don't think quite today gets the kind of appreciation it should, really. Oh, oh, I am so there with you. 
Um, that movie that movie was so much better than the box office that it did that it was so much better than the reviews it got mm-hmm. um it's it was just i think i think it was a i think joe johnson directed it um it had a great supporting cast totally. timothy dalton timothy dalton was so good in that movie <laughs> and this um, is this is you know the same man who is once a bond star and actually guest starred on an episode of doctor who <laughs> But Jennifer, Jennifer, I mean, I believe her character was very, or at least the appearance of her character was very, from what I read, it was very heavily modeled off of the pinup legend Betty Page. Well, no wonder I had a massive crush on her because <laughs> Betty Page is yowza. But I just, that was, I had a, it, it's kind of weird because I think The Rocketeer, before it was ever a film, it was a graphic novel. Yes. From what I understand. And I think we owned and, it at one time. I, I definitely remember, I think what happened was there was the graphic novel, they made the Disney film, and then there was a, a comic adaptation of the film, which is kind of kind of weird when you think about it, you know? A little bit, but yeah, I, I, I get it. Or maybe it was like a re-release, but I had a copy of that that we would take to um, our, aunt, our aunt and uncle's place in Porterville. Um, for this, like We would go on summer trips and stuff like yeah. that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, or like Thanksgiving trips, you know, and that mm-hmm. I had a copy of that and it was just, it never left my sight, you know? Um, and a lot of it had to do with the character of Jenny from, uh, from the, from, you know, played by a, a Jennifer Connelly, you know? Yeah. Now that's, I have to find a copy of that movie and watch it again sometime. I have, I have like, the, I have like this, I have like a super cheapo copy that I bought at like, you know, um, a secondhand place, like maybe a year and a half ago. Not like the lucky checkout or something. Right. And it's like I play it on my Blu-ray on my high definition big screens. And it's like this horrible. It, it's like it's a very poor quality. Oh. And, but it was like it. I, the only reason I had it because um, it was one day where I was like I had to see the Rocketeer. <laughs> I just had and I don't do Netflix. I don't have any of that, you know, streaming stuff, you know. So it was like, you know, I had to find some place that day where I could get the, my hands on a copy right. of the Rocketeer and watch it. You know, right. it was like that was that into that movie, you know. Wow. So. Anyway, wow, nice. Huh. All right. Even though it kind of felt like your turn as well. Go ahead. Hit me. <laughs> okay. Really quick. Sophie Cook. She played Susan in the 1988 BBC television adaptation of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. 1988 one. Um, it's, it, she also appeared in the next year's uh, adaptation of Prince Caspian and the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Not um, many people know this TV adaptation of C.S. Lewis's classic, but um, she was a looker. You know, and it it was great because it was a television adaptation that for BBC standards was very high production value. But for the American audience that consumed most of it, they considered it very low production value. So it didn't really get a lot of acclaim or um, it's not really well regarded these days, I think. But um, there's a one there's a really famous part in it where um, Father Christmas gives Susan the gift of a bow, a bow and arrow or a bow and quiver. Yes. Um, and it's just like she's so pretty and then it's like the life lesson that i learned here was that like a beauty is even more beautiful when she's holding a lethal weapon we've had that a couple of times in this episode right. haven't we yeah but sophie she she was just hitting on all cylinders you know and and as as a kid you know it was one of the it was one of the few crushes i had as a kid that was like the age appropriate a crush in the sense that it was like i was have i was crushing on someone who was the same age i was at the time Ah, uh, yes, yes, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I, so. I, I think it's fair to say, for the most part, we kind of both are drawn to and appreciate 
strong female characters. Yeah, I think so. I think you know, it's fair to say. Not not just like, oh, hey, I'm running around with an AK-47 or, you know, with a, a bow and arrow that some sort of god figure gave me or something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, know? you know, but we, we, we do kind of like that that type of character. Strong strong women characters and Dom and Dom DeLuise. And Dom DeLuise and apparently Michael J. Fox. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think I think that covers all the bases. So okay, I'm throwing it back to you. Who's next? Okay, okay. So I I literally let me look at my list. I've got one, two, three, four, five left. Okay. And you've wow. just done the last one on your list. So what I'm gonna do is I'm I'm gonna pick one of these five. Okay. And then save the rest for next time. Okay. Not and not not necessarily next month, you know, next next February if that's right. When we next do Valentine's it. Day. Yeah, exactly. Um and I think only it's only fair that because you started with an animated character, I need to end with an animated character. Let's we'll capstone this. Okay. As it were. <laughs> True story. Slightly I might be, you know, a little embarrassed to admit this right now, but at the time I had such a crush on Penny from Inspector Gadget. Do 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 do. Oh, dude. Do 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 This is great. Yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of you for for pressing up on uh, on live podcast radio of your crush on on Penny. Yeah. What, what, I, what can I say? I mean, help, paint a picture for us. Break this down. <laughs> help us out. Um, I liked that she was smart. Okay. I thought that she was cute. Okay. Um. She had a book that was a computer, which we certainly didn't have at that time. I don't know. The computer book, so prophetic. Right? I mean, who do, who today doesn't have a device that's essentially a computer book from Inspector Gadget? Uh, you. Right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, me. But You still you have know. a flip phone. Yeah, that's true, I guess. And you're but... afraid to buy a new car. But I do have a desktop computer. I mean, I can't really carry that around, I guess. You know? <laughs> not, but... not so much. Yeah. Not so much, unless you work out some more. But... Yeah, you know, and it's 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 kind of neat because we have we've introduced the kids to the original Inspector Gadget, uh, the, the you know, the, the 80s Inspector Gadget, and, hey. and they were getting into it and, and they awesome. were watching it and they were entertained by it. But at the same time, there was there was a level in the humor where at six, you're like, why does this always happen? Why does this, you know, because they don't, because Inspector Gadget was modeled after Get Smart. Right. Don Adams. Right. Um, and so, you know, growing up, we had seen episodes of Get Smart. In fact, Agent 99 should be on next time's list because she's a babe too. Oh, gosh. Um, so we kind of got those Inspector Gadget jokes and the kids mm-hmm. don't have, my kids don't mm-hmm. have that exposure. Mm-hmm. So they're I see like, what you're well, saying. Why, why does the chief blow up every single time? Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. Yeah. And not only that, but Netflix has gone and basically rebooted Inspector Gadget. There oh, is wow. a new Inspector Gadget. And, you know. Is he still a cyborg? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And it, it is still animated. It's not, you know, animated in the same style, right? Obviously, it's it's updated. It, it takes place a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, after apparently Inspector Gadget defeated Doctor Claw and and went into retirement, what you know, Penny's a little older. Okay, uh, Doctor Claw has a, uh, a a nephew who's you know <laughs> trying to get in on the on the family business, as it were. Um, 
But even then, it's pretty good. I got to admit, like I said, I, I end up seeing a lot of the cartoons that the kids see. Huh. Um, and yeah, the Inspector Gadget, there's there's a rebooted Peabody and Sherman that I could go into detail about, but I probably won't for the purposes of this. The only the only the only Inspector Gadget thing that comes to my mind is I have this memory of watching it on Nickelodeon and there being yes. maybe like a third or fourth season where for a reason that I don't quite remember and I don't think it was adequately explained. It, it was still Inspector Gadget. It was still everything was the normal and the same, except he now lived in a mansion and he lived with a young, developmentally disabled boy who dressed up as a superhero. Oh, and I thought I'm looking back on it now. It's like I, I thought, you know, that's so that's so interesting that they would portray like a developmentally disabled person in a in a cartoon, but in like a in a way that wasn't like ex- I didn't I didn't think it was exploitative. I don't know. There is but, a very but, vague bell ringing. I'm going to have to research yeah, that. That's yeah. Yeah. Wow, how do I remember I mean, that? I mean, th- I mean, that's such a weird thing to end our like Valentine's Day episode with, but I just had to throw it out there, you know. Um, but hey, listen, okay, um, who, who of your of your of your list, who's my favorite, and of my list, who's your favorite? That's I think that's a great way to wrap this up. What do you think? Uh, so we're we're picking the favorite of each other's lists. Yeah. All right. So who who's the favorite? Your favorite from my lists. My favorite from your list has right. probably oh boy i'm gonna have to go with gates mcfadden wow really yeah wow what were you expecting me to say no no i i just i'm flattered because for me her uh, her being on the list was for me almost i don't want to say it was like an afterthought but it was almost kind of was like last minute and i was like oh yeah i had a crush on her you know i'll add her to my list but wow I, you I, you know, it was, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, well, yeah, Winona Ryder, yeah, Devil, oh, man, Diana Rigg in that cat suit, man. And then it's like, yeah. you know what? Gates McFadden was the one that I went, dude, how did I not put her on my list? So she was great choice. because she wasn't just a pretty face. You know, she could like save your life because she was like a smart medical doctor, you know? Absolutely. Right. And nobody wore a lab coat like her. It was great. <laughs> I don't know, man. Scully in a lab coat. Oh, gosh. Oh, you my know? God. You know? Well, yeah, you have, you have a point there. Jeez. All right. So, of of the ones on my list that I discussed, right? What's your pick? You know, I think it's got to be Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, it's got to be Jennifer Connelly. You know, yeah, um, and and that, it's hard for me to say that because your list is so. I think your list is a lot stronger than my list, but that's that's such a great pick. You know, well, because let, it's such. Let's be honest. I mean, I mean, we kind of share my list because there's people who I know when you had your list initially were also yeah. in mine. Yeah, but I so, mean, you know, she's the only Oscar winner on your list. I think The Rocketeer is, of all the films on your list, the one that, like, if I saw it was going to be on TV, I'd be, I'd jump on it because not only is it great, but it's not. Back to the Future is great, but it's at least once a month you can find a TV channel that has it showing. Yeah, you know? probably. But Rocketeer, I mean, I can't remember the last time that was aired on television. I mean, you know, so, oh, yeah. such a great pick, such a great list. <laughs> Man, what a great childhood. I think we had some great crushes. Definitely. Uh, now, obviously, it, it jogged some others that I, you know, had buried back there somewhere. So, yeah, I think definitely I, 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 it sounds like you're coming around to the idea of like an, like a, maybe a, a sequel in a year's time. I, I think so. Essentially. I yeah. think so. I'll, I'll grab the ones that I didn't discuss. Go go stick them down on our uh, our Google Doc so I don't forget them. OK. And then that just I've got a year just to remember others and right. get them in there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
So, Sam, what are we talking about in March? Well, I think if correct me if I'm wrong, but we're going to be talking about uh, the paranormal, specifically maybe television shows or maybe even feature films that inspired our interest in the paranormal. Definitely supernatural. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll, which we'll, I think we'll talk some Art Bell. We'll talk some In Search of and sightings and all that great stuff. Other stuff yeah. that comes to mind between now and then. Right, right. Cryptids, aliens, yes. ghosts. Definitely. The Not face on Mars. Guys. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Yeah. I think this is going to be a good one. It, it is. And I, I fully expect it to, to be a long episode because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the paranormal, especially even now, is is still a very large interest of mine. I would say the vast majority of podcasts I listen to mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. deal with this topic in one way or another. So this I got three fun. words for you. Yes. Time life books. <laughs> yes. Yes. How many of those do you still own? Oh, too many. Too many? The whole set? <laughs> Not the whole set, but no. almost. Almost. Did you ever have a crush on a time life operator? Uh, who didn't? Just just to keep it on topic here. Man, I was always going to put the popcorn lady on my list of crushes. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, call her up, find out what time it is. Do you know how many people are listening to us right now and going, the what? And then yeah, the other had... half of the group going, "Oh yeah, popcorn." I remember calling popcorn. Yeah, I know who I'm. I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the people that remember the popcorn lady. God, I wonder if you could still dial that in. Well, you'd probably. It's probably they probably took that phone number and like made it into some sort of like, you know, something where they try to sell you something or you know, it's like added one hundred you know, to the front of it. Yeah, you know, it's like five minute, five dollars per minute. You know, some junk like that. But hey, she had a great voice. What can I she say? Did. Fair. Yeah. Fair yeah. point. Fair point. All right. Well, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. Please jump on. Uh, Seb has been awesome. He's been adding a lot of stuff to our Facebook page. Uh, he he personally has been tweeting stuff out um, and 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 tagging uh, uh, the podcast in it. Uh, speaking of Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Apex Buddha, and you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. Still the best best name. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Search up If Memory Serves. Please rate and review us as well. Whatever seems fitting. I know everybody says give us five stars. It'll help our exposure. And while that is true, I don't want you to lie, people. Also subscribe to us the night of the living geeks network on soundcloud you can get absolutely all the podcasts we put out there soundcloud.com slash the n-o-t-l-g be sure to check out all the podcasts there's uh wrestling podcasts there's doctor who podcast if you'd like to hear ladies talk about comic books uh girls interrupting is a fantastic podcast you can check them out there and please if you've got a little to give while our podcast is free to consume it does cost a little to produce and host and keep out there uh patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g we'd greatly appreciate it uh this month morgan willis does our intro and outro music uh his track party all night check him out on facebook search up morgan willis you can't miss it because his name is all in caps uh he's also on twitter morgan willis 82 and check him out on soundcloud just search morgan willis also don't forget to participate in our Twitter poll that I'm going to put up to decide who should be our permanent show music. Ooh. Yeah. And so with that, thank you. I hope everyone out there has a fantastic Valentine's Day, whether you're with someone, someone's a duck, 
a robot <laughs> by yourself if you're stuck in in detention with a bunch of other weird kids. I hope it's awesome. And we will talk to you next time. See ya. Bye-bye, folks. I, I, no, I don't think so. Oh my god, I wanted to lick her stamp so bad. <laughs> this has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit NLTLG.com. <laughs>